Welcome to this episode of Laughing Without Liquor, a woman's guide to living it up without the booze. Join your long-term recovery hosts, Lane Kennedy and Tamar Medford, as they have insightful conversations with others on an alcohol-free journey. We're glad you're here. Now let's dive into this episode. All right, before we get into today's episode, I want you to know that we have an awesome sponsor. Are you ready for it? It's called the Laughing Without Liquor newsletter. You can find out more information over at laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. But here's the get. When you sign up, you get all of our juicy discounts. Now, the first discount that I want to share with you is my big discount to the class. Have you ever taken the class with Taryn or Sophia or Sam or, I mean, there's so many amazing teachers over there. This is my preferred method of sweat, the class. Not only do I sweat, but sometimes I cry. Sometimes I'm laughing. Sometimes I am, well, definitely I'm getting a workout. Super spiritual, super fun, super funky. Go check them out. But first you have to get on our newsletter over at, you said it, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. Grab that newsletter. But you know, when you get into that newsletter, I have something else I'm going to give to you, which is our Unleash Your Self-Preservation. It's kind of a little mini course that you're going to jump into when you join, because we know that you are here to win it every day. So go check that out over at, again, you know it, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter. Sign up and you'll get all of our juicy discounts. Thanks for supporting our show. And now let's get into today's episode. Laughing Without Liquor, the content presented on the Laughing Without Liquor website and podcast is for informational purpose only and not intended to diagnose or treat disease. Before making any changes to your nutrition or supplementation, please make sure to check with your physician or healthcare provider. Laughing Without Liquor podcast is for general information purpose only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including or giving medical advice and no doctor patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition that they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare profession. So we're just letting you know that we're here sharing our experience, and we want you to take your health serious. So that's our disclaimer. Enjoy the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, I have to spray. I know I have to spray um, too. I'm ready though. I, mm. love it. I love it. In my little studio here, it, it is incredibly hot right now, mm. but I feel like this spray is a burst of being at a park and sitting under a light waterfall. Yeah, they have uh, in Palm Springs. They have these misters around mm-hmm. everything. It's so delightful. Yeah, it's perfect when it's. We hot. have that on our patio. It's it oh. is wonderful. Yeah. Well, we don't have that in San Francisco. Well, you don't really need it. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the show. If you're new here, uh, I'm hanging out with my friend Tamar Medford. And I'm hanging out with my friend Lane Kennedy. You're hanging out with us. This is laughing without liquor. Mm-hmm. So good to have you here. Uh, Tamar, 
another episode. Dude, what's up? Well, you know what? I mean, today I'm excited because if you listened a couple of weeks ago, you got to hear a bit of my story. Mm. But today we're going to dig into Lane's story. Yeah, and not, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of, yeah, I, I'm excited about where this conversation is going to go. Because if you've listened way, way, way back on the show, I actually interviewed Lane for a um, summit that I did, a recovery summit. So you can hear her whole story there. Um. But yeah, let's, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) You should be very scared. I'm like, what are you going to ask me? Oh my God. (laughs) Not that my life is not an open book, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to start back, um, you know, when you were at 12 is when you said you first Mm. started drinking, right? I sure did. And what was that moment that like, what drew you to drinking? What made you want to drink? Because I know for me, it was that I didn't feel like I fit in, right? So what did that look like for you at that age? Uh, Well, I grew up with, you know, addiction in my house. Mm -hmm. So for me, and I was like the little woman of the house. I was already like caring and providing and cooking. So at 12, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is what I'm supposed to do. I'm you know, going to be a part of. So that was, you know, like the adults are doing it. I, I can do it. And, you know, this is also like, I'm dating myself back in the eighties, you know, when Nancy Reagan was talking about, uh, you know, this is your brain on drugs, this is crack. And I just, I thought alcohol is just, you know, no problem, no Mm -hmm. problem. So I think it was about feeling more mature, you know, it's like, it's time for me to drink. This makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the media, and we've talked about it on our show, portrays drinking like some fun Mm -hmm. adulting thing to do. But for Mm -hmm. those of us that have the gene, Mm -hmm. and this is your area of expertise, I mean, you're, you're affecting that 70%. Yes. Right there. A hundred percent. Yeah, I was locked and loaded to pick up that drink. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was only a matter of time. I mean, I'm I'm surprised I didn't start drinking when I was ten. Yeah, because my genetic profile, and then the environment that I was living in, which is you know that seventy percent, uh, it like it's a no like duh. Of course, mm. of course, I'm going to pick up. Of course, I'm going to see that as a part of the way I should live. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I take that even a step, you know, into the more, you know, genetic stuff, it's like my uh, great grandmother was riddled with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so it's like generational. I was just ready to roll with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as you picked up, off as you went. As soon as I picked up. It was like, you know, getting on a swing and just, yeah, this take me up for the ride. Mm-hmm. So good. And how amazing would it be if parents actually, like you did, were proactive and got their kids tested? Mm. Because my parents saw what happened to, you know, my dad's brother, the mm-hmm. other family members. So they never drank like they did. I didn't grow up with that, but I mm-hmm. had that those genes. And if they had known, they could say, Hey, it runs in the family. This is what could happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because they modeled the best life they could for us. Mm -hmm. So 
you know, fast forward, I mean, you had a pretty amazing life. Like you have done a lot of things that most people never get to experience. You've Mm -hmm. partied with celebrities. You know, what was that moment where you're like, okay, Lane, you got to get it together. Like enough is enough because you also, in my opinion, quit at a very young age. I wish I had quit at that age. Mm. Um, I'm so grateful you did because it's gotten to you where you are today. But Mm -hmm. what was that moment? You know, I can't pinpoint one moment. Uh, You know, if I go back to that time, it it was cold. It was cold Mm. and I didn't know any better. Literally, I didn't know any better because I didn't think that that was going to be my last drink. I didn't, I didn't know that that was going to be the end of the road, so to speak. I didn't know that I was jumping through the window of hope that, that mm -mm, didn't even register for me, uh, because Mm -hmm. my drinking, because I surrounded myself who drank like me was normal. It was all normalized. Uh, the celebrities, Mm -hmm. the lifestyle, the career, all of it supported this robust drinking. (laughs) Um, so it it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was making a choice. Right. It wasn't like, okay, this is time for me to like put down. I did know that I, uh, you know, I had a designer say you smell like, I think you need to take the day off. And that was kind of like, what do you mean? Like a big blow to my ego, you know, but it didn't stop me. Right. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing to mention there is that you mm. were living this life that people <clears throat> are attracted to, mm-hmm. right? They look at it and they're like, wow, that's so cool. She's so lucky. She got to party with celebrities. She got to model like mm-hmm. you, you know, but the alcohol gets in the way yeah. and everything falls apart. And that loneliness, 100%. right? 100%. You're around a bunch of people and you still feel lonely. hundred percent. So- you know, you got sober at, at 25, was it? 26, I think. 94, wasn't it? 96. Oh, 96. Yeah, I had just graduated a couple of years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to date myself. Oh, my God. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're <clears throat> on this new path. Yeah. And things slowly kind of change. You made a lot of massive changes in your life. I mean, you went to Thailand, was it? Mm-hmm. for quite a long time, Mm -hmm. traveled, um, you know, found your higher power. Yeah. And then eventually you led to getting married and having a kid. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't even recognize myself, honestly. (laughs) It's like, who the heck is this person? Right. And that was not part of the plan. No. (laughs) So talk about that time a little bit. Uh, You know, I think the past 20 years, 26 years, it's been just like such an adventure. You know, I don't, how do I want to say this? There's so much you don't know. You know, at 10 years, I thought I knew everything. At five years, I thought I knew everything. You know, and now I have this like long uh, hallway of memories and reflection points where I'm like, I don't know shit. Seriously. It's like a big surprise every single day. You know, when I met my husband, I was 10, I just turned 10. Yeah, I just turned 10. And you know, I wasn't really looking for the man of my dreams. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for a date. 
like literally just looking for a date. Uh, and you know, lo and behold, I wasn't looking to get married. Like that was not on my agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't looking to make a million dollar company. I wasn't looking to, uh, travel the world. I wasn't looking like, I wasn't looking to do all this stuff. It it's just kind of shown up Mm -hmm. and that may sound so airy fairy, but it's like, I have a vision like, Oh, I'm going to go, you know, over to, uh, Thailand and I'm going to spend some time there, or I'm going to go to Italy and I'm going to spend some time there. And then I just do it. I don't let Mm -hmm. anything get in my way, so to speak. And I used to be like a, that saying that bull in the China shop, like I just go in you know, and make things happen. So when I think about, you know, having a child or um, getting married, it just, I probably made it happen, but reflecting back on it, there was some mysterious, you know, universal thing happening, kind of moving me in my life. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. G-O-D. Yeah. It's something about this spirit. Like I, I just truly believe that there is a spiritual element to a life of recovery. So, and I'm, I'm either in the flow of it or I'm not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we try to take back control, you can very clearly feel that we're not. And you said like, right. it just a, a sober life, yeah. right? When you get sober, life starts to show up. Yes. It's, it's like, you know, when we're drinking, we're numbing everything. You know, mm-hmm. we're not present. We're not paying attention to what's right in front of us. We're worried about the past. We're worried about the future. But when you right. get sober, life starts to show up mm-hmm. in all these ways that we could have never imagined. Like I say now, if you would have asked me 11 years ago, if I would have lived the life today, I would have laughed in your face and said, you're, you're, no, right? there's not a chance. So you let life show up. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's it, right? This is all we have is the present moment. So the, yeah. the more or the faster that we can understand and realize that this is all that matters is right here, right now, life mm-hmm. becomes exponentially better. But the human is such a struggle with that. You know, we're just like, <gasps> and alcoholic humans are just like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> yes. I mean, I live that. So I, it's like, I can, I know. Yeah. I was <sighs> the general manager of the universe. So uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. you know. Um, And I think it's so cool how everything happened for you, even though you hadn't planned on it. You know, you said, I didn't plan on getting married. I didn't plan on having a child. And now you have all these things. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, from hearing your story, you know, hitting that moment in the car, right, with your son. Oh, God. And flipping out. Yeah. Like, that all had led you to get into what you do today. I mean, you do Mm -hmm. meditation, hypnotherapy, the Mm -hmm. DNA stuff. I think Mm -hmm. that is so essential for people to understand. Yeah. But it was that I remember, you know, we've talked about that moment a lot, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How that anger. So talk about that time. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> such a time. <laughs> but I think a lot of moms could probably relate to this. You know, it, it, yeah. it's, it, it's a moment that we all are very, you know, it's shame. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want to talk about the anger that's, you know, building up inside of us because our partners aren't doing anything or the dog just pooped all over and we have to clean it up and then we have to take care of the kids and we have to drive and we have to do this and we have to pay the bills and we have to go to work, right? The and the and the and the and the and it's that moment just broke me into a, a thousand tiny pieces. Mm-hmm. It just shattered me. 
And I knew that something had to change or I was going to end up in an institution. And I've heard about other people because I listen with intention when I end up in a 12-step program. You know, I remember hearing a woman when I was uh, very new and she came in, she was 20 something years sober. And she said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lock, check myself in. I'm going nuts. I can't get out of the house. And I thought, what, 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 she's that long sober. And she has to put herself into a psych ward. Mm -hmm. But that moment came to me when I was outside screaming at this man, you know, just humiliating myself and thinking I'm going to end up in a psych ward and my kid's going to get taken away from me. Like boom, something needs to change. And I'm so, I'm super grateful for that moment because if I hadn't had it, I mean, what would have happened? Yeah. What would have happened? Do you, I mean, I know that life brought me to my knees Mm -hmm. before I was willing to change. And I, I -hmm. wish it wasn't that way for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds like at, at that point that, like you said, right, you felt broken, like shattered. Yeah. Shattered. Um, do you feel like those kind of, like we need to be brought to our knees before we make those changes? There has to be something. Yeah. I I just, I have not had a profound shift without it. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of going through my experience Rolodex right now, but there's Mm -hmm. always been something that has occurred that has brought upon some kind of shift of perception, change of heart. Um, always, mm-hmm. always. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's when we resist that change Yeah, that yeah. life tends to bring us to that breaking point. Yeah. And the breaking points can be different, right, Tamar? I mean, they don't have to be where I'm like down on my knees groveling. Sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, I'm standing in the mirror looking at myself going, what the, f- just, what, what is happening with you? You know, that can be the breaking point. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be bloody and ugly. (laughs) No, it doesn't. And I've had many of those points. Yeah. But I feel like it's when that change needs to happen. Mm -hmm. That is when those moments start. And we Mm -hmm. need to listen for them. Mm -hmm. Because all too often, I've shrugged them off, right? And been like, you know what? No, it's okay. This is just part of life. Yes. That, That right there. Listening is the key ingredient. Because our intuition is constantly, you know, that universal inside God presence mm-hmm. is always talking. Mm-hmm. But the human is like, well, nothing, nothing's going on over there. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Very, Too very rough. true. Um, I feel like, you know, today, mm. I know that in all the transformations I made over the last year, you have been instrumental in that because you have given me this space Mm. to be vulnerable and to talk about what's actually going on instead of portraying this, I've got it together, I'm Mm -hmm. okay, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We need more of that. And you and I talk a lot about community, Mm -hmm. right? So you've gotten, you know, you're a DNA practitioner, which I just absolutely love because I think this is an area that we need to talk about more. Mm -hmm. Um, We talk about, you know, weight loss on the show. Mm -hmm. 
the different addictions we have afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're mm-hmm. doing a series on YouTube right now where we're talking about my story, your story, mm-hmm. and how that affects us. And just because we get sober doesn't mean that life stops, doesn't mean that addictions stop. Right. So can you talk about how what that looks like today in your life? Because I think people need to hear that just because you get sober doesn't mean life's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. There's kind of more work to be done. Oh, there's so much more work to be done. There's so much work to be done. <laughs> I, you know, we get sober and we're like, oh yeah, we're good. I'm good. But meanwhile, I'm like spending hundreds of dollars. I'm stuffing my face. I am gossiping. You know, like just anything to ignore the present moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Really, that's it. Like, I don't want to live in the present moment. The present moment is kind of awkward and odd and strange, and I can feel uncomfortable because in the present moment, I have to look at my body, I have to feel my body, I have to accept where I'm at, and that is maybe I don't want to be where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And when I look at that and I have to make a change, it's like, oh, that change is really scary. So how am I going to make that change? So I think the the thing about how do I want to say this? The shift that I had uh, and getting into DNA and looking at my DNA and thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking die here if I don't get rid of this caffeine. Uh, Cardiovascular disease runs in my family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, meanwhile, I'm, you know, shoving gluten-free donuts in my mouth every day. That's, that's a real problem. Like mm-hmm. there was dishonesty every day. Oh, it'll be fine. I'm okay. It's just one donut, not a problem, right? So I, it's, I just wasn't ready to accept that I had to change. And then one day I just said enough is enough, right? Having that face-to-face mirror conversation like, oh my God, my freaking underwear don't fit me anymore. What am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. this is not okay. And li- like, listening to somebody else say, Lane, you don't have to live like that. What? I don't have to lie anymore? Having someone else just say, you don't have to live like that. And then saying, you know, I'll, I'll just, um, I can listen to you. Like, asking for help is such a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a courageous act. And not mm-hmm. enough people in recovery do it. Yeah. Because they're just, they're not listening. They're not listening. So I'm super, again, I just go back to gratitude because I'm super grateful that I went down that rabbit hole, discovered, you know, my DNA, understood that what was happening to my body uh, was happening on purpose. Like I was deliberately like killing myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the most important thing to me, tomorrow, you know, this is this connection, the universal point, point zero, nothing, G-O-D. Mm-hmm. And when I am putting donuts in my face and not taking care of my body, I'm having a constant cytokine storm. I cannot be connected to that presence mm-hmm. at all. And my life gets really small and miserable. Mm-hmm. It's just not a fun way to live. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's not. And I I get super passionate about it. I'm sorry. Just like, oh, no, nothing to be sorry about. I think it's great. And I think that all too often I see women who have had some time Mm -hmm. that don't share 
their vulnerabilities. Like they don't say I'm not okay because they're yeah. trying to help all these other people, mm-hmm. but yet they almost put up this wall. Like I've got time. I should know better. Yeah. And it's like, no, like, I mean, right now is probably the messiest time in my recovery. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I'm like, I need to do something about it. Yeah. Like I need to go surround myself with my people and say yeah. that I'm not okay right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I I love that about you is you and I can have those conversations mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going dark here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right? Because we have to, as sober women now, mm-hmm. we don't, we can't cope with alcohol. We can't use that. And we use other things sometimes. So the yeah. best, I feel like the best way is to really get to know yourself. Mm-hmm to learn what you should definitely not be coping with, which for me was caffeine as well. Mm -hmm. But it takes, you know, a willingness. Yeah. I I guess it goes back to that discomfort. You know, how uncomfortable do you want to be? But when, but when you, but I think when I, you know, I'm putting donuts down my face, Mm -hmm. I'm just numbed out. Right. It, it, it's like, donut after donut or bag of chips and chocolate bars, whatever it is, you know, spending money at Target, like ignoring the present moment of discomfort. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, let's acknowledge that. Yeah. Again, I just, that's a courageous act. Mm -hmm. It's a courageous act to say, I need help or I need to change or I need to shift or I want to do something differently. Right. Yeah. So for the woman, mother, you know, daughter listening right now, Mm -hmm. and they're in that space, they're not happy with their partner, they're, you know, Mm -hmm. overeating, they're undereating, all the stuff that can come, you know, when you go dark, yeah. what are some of the tools that you use that could help someone right now? Hey, just a little reminder, just a little tiny reminder to make sure you head on over to laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter so you can start unleashing your self-preservation. We want you to live your ultimate life and we've got that for you over at the newsletter. Remember, laughingwithoutliquor.com forward slash newsletter and unleash your self-preservation. All right, let's get back to the show now. The first thing I do is I pray. I just pray pray, pray, you know, it, and it's literally like, just help me through the day. That's my prayer. I keep it so simple because as you know, somebody in recovery, I can overanalyze and just not even get it done. You know, I won't even pray. So Mm -hmm. I I do my prayer, but then I also go into practice. You know, I meditate as much as I can. And there have been times tomorrow when I have been like, F that I'm not practicing. Screw it. I don't care. And when it's, when it's like that, I try to get into my body and I'll, I'll walk the dogs a lot more. Yeah. Right. So I'm physical. Uh, and, and then lastly, I'll call somebody. Yeah. Right. Then I will reach out to somebody and say, you know what? I need help. I've also, you know, paid, I've paid for help. Mm-hmm. Right. I've gotten coaches. I have mentors. I have, I have lots of mentors, which I'm super grateful for that I pay. Yeah. Um, so they help me tremendously. You know, I'm working with someone right now and he has got me on a tight little leash and I love it. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah, structure seems to be good for yeah, those of us in recovery. Good. Yeah, I've learned that the hard way. I'm like, no, I got this myself. And all of a sudden, why is there? Why are they unraveling? Yeah. So I think for somebody who's you know in that place of you know they've got time, right? They 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 they're doing some some kind of destructive habit, and they're like in that brain loop of like, oh, I'm just doing the same thing every day. My life is on rinse and repeat. It's 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 like it's time to make a decision. Like, hmm. how much longer do you want to do that? You're just hurting yourself. So get somebody to help you. That mm-hmm. That's what I want her to hear today. It's like, get some help. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's such a courageous act, Amar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not an easy one. But when you no. make that, when you make that choice, things mm-hmm. change. Is there anything more you want to add? Uh, I, I think, you know, our stories, they change and evolve with time. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a beautiful life because I haven't picked up a substance that, you know, the alcohol, my main one. And I just had no idea. I just had no idea. And now it's like I put down caffeine, right? Like that's the next one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's like this elimination process because I just want to get to that really pure state. Mm-hmm. Because when I'm in that pure state, when I'm in that state of resonant, I just feel so great and I can be of service to the world. And what am I here to do? I'm here to serve. I'm here to help others. Mm-hmm. Why are we on this planet? To help the planet, to save the freaking planet. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm going around in circles on broken record, but you know, living a life of recovery and self-preservation is essential in the time that we live in today. Yeah. You know, the world, it seems like there's a dark side that's out to get us. And I don't like to do dark and light, but I think there is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want to live in the light as much as possible. And I want to serve those who want to be in the light with us. Absolutely. So, and I, I feel like one of the gifts of recovery and long-term recovery is when you're in that dark spot, you can always see the light. Yes. It's there. It's not fully dark. So, so true. Lane, thank you for sharing your story. It's, it's nice to take a different look at things every Mm. once in a while, right? Mm -hmm. Because there are so many people out there struggling right now and, if you have questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to talk about, please visit our website, laughingwithoutliquor.com. Dot com. And, and go ahead. You say and. And we have a newsletter. Yes. It goes out every Sunday. You're going to hear some amazing stuff in there, freebies, all this kind of cool stuff. So laughingwithoutliquor.com slash newsletter. Newsletter. Yeah, join us. So good. Thanks Thank you, Mark, for hanging out with me. <laughs> so much fun, Lane. Have a great one. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Laughing Without Liquor. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Living in recovery can be a blast, and we are glad you're laughing without the liquor with us. We hope you'll join us again in the next episode. Until then, take care.